You ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Let's do it. Get out their sermon notes this morning. And uh, again, if you didn't catch one of these notebooks from last week, they're free of charge in the bookstore. Help yourself uh, to those. I know we had a, a run of the bookstore last week, so well done. And uh, that way you can keep track of everything that, that uh, we, we talk about here. You can go back in your notes, look it up, all that type of stuff. We're in the series uh, called Moving On. And um, I'm, I'm going to uh, teach today about moving on from troubles, moving on from difficulties, uh, in your life, how do you do that? How do you move past your past? And um, this is something that we teach on about once a year. Uh, and, and the reason is because we all have a past, because we all have baggage. We all have things in our life that happen from year to year, not just five years ago or 10 years ago, but sometimes just a couple of months ago or just a couple of weeks ago or just a couple of days ago, everybody. And, and this is a topic that, that we come back to often because it's so meaningful uh, to so many people. And really, the Lord just put this on my heart. I wasn't um, planning on on talking about this necessarily today, and yet the Lord just uh, just directed my my steps and and uh, my my thoughts and and um, and I was thinking about this that that we oftentimes have a uh, a lot of us uh, we we try to hold God to his to a job description, but but not one that He creates, but one that we create for Him. And so, I, in fact, not only maybe you've done this in the, in the past, but lots of people around this nation, around the world, they create this job description of, uh, for, for God, and they just have an expectation that, that if he doesn't live out this job description, then he's not doing his job. And so the job description is, and I, I just wrote this down in, in my terminology, uh, jobs, God's job description for most of, of America, or, or even for many in the church today, is make my life awesome without any troubles whatsoever. I want an awesome life, no troubles, okay? And then the second thing is honor my awesomeness and take me to heaven. Like that's, that's what most people think. Like I want an awesome life, no troubles, and then out of my awesomeness, because of my awesomeness, uh, obviously I'm gonna get to go to heaven uh, with you because you know my good outweighs my bad type, type of thing. And, and to tell you the truth, those, those people have never read their Bibles because it's not in there. And, and sometimes we fall into that mindset too that, you know, when, when trouble strikes, we think, well, God, where are you? And why did you allow this to happen? And I don't understand. I'm being a good person and you allowed these things in my life. And, and what you're doing is you're saying, God, you're not living up to your job description. You're supposed to help me live an awesome life without any troubles. And you're not doing your job. In fact, not too long ago, um, in fact, this past year, uh, there was there was a, a family that came in and and they were really going forward in their relationship with God. And all of a sudden, trouble started happening in their life. And 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 I, I met with them multiple times and talked with them multiple times. And and it was like every time we move forward in God, all of these bad things happen. And and why does that happen? God's just out to get us. No, no, you created a job description that that actually is not God's job description. See, you thought that God was just going to make your life awesome without any troubles, and because of your awesomeness, you get to go to heaven. Well, that's not, that's not the case. In fact, when you pursue God, I taught him this, when you pursue God, the devil doesn't like that. He comes to kill and steal and destroy, and he's going to try to destroy your life. So you can either, you can either follow after God and live your best life still, because he will deliver you from troubles, or... You can live a life without God and take a chance on your own. And by the way, your eternity will suffer because of it, because hell is very real. And so is heaven. 
right? I should have got an amen right there. It's very real. Like it's very, and we don't like it that it's real, but it's real. So I try to tell people, hey, listen, the, the proof that you're following God is that there are going to be some attacks on your life. But we just think, well, God's just not living up to his, God, his job description. He's not, he's not making my life awesome. Well, actually, what you're doing is you're focusing so much on the temporary, that which is temporary, this life, and not on that which is eternal, that's life forevermore. When we're actually in his presence. And if anybody in the Bible has something to say about troubles, about difficulties, if anybody in the Bible can speak on this topic, it has to be the Apostle Paul. Outside of Jesus, you know, of course, bearing, bearing our sins on the cross and being tortured. And it would have to be the Apostle Paul. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the verse 8. He says, we're pressed on every side by what? By troubles. Now, you can't tell me that the Apostle Paul wasn't following God's uh, purpose for his life. He obviously was. He was living in the will of God. He was going all out for God. And he says, hey, everybody, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. Like, we're pressed, but God always delivers. Watch this. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, wow, but never, never abandoned by God, never. We get knocked down, and I know what a lot of you are thinking, I get knocked down, but I got to get up again, and I'm going to keep, okay, that's not, that's not in the Bible, everybody. In fact, it's not a good song, you shouldn't listen to that, all right, here we go. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed, we get knocked down. Let me say that again. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. We're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And he's, what he's saying is we are living testimonies of the goodness and grace and the mercy and the deliverance of our God. We're living testimonies of that. Yes, we live under constant danger of death, but you might want to underline this. We live under constant danger of death actually because we serve Jesus. Isn't that something? So a lot of people, they just make up their own job description for God. God, your, life, your job is to make my life awesome without any troubles. And the Bible actually says the opposite. The Bible says, listen, if you're a follower of Christ, you're gonna face some tough times. There's gonna be some struggles. You're gonna be hard pressed. You're gonna be pressured. There's gonna be some things that you face in this life. And by the way, the devil's out to kill and destroy and to steal from everybody. And the truth of the matter is we're the ones who have God on our side. We are the ones who have a deliverer, capital D, who will come in power and come in strength and will deliver us in our time of need. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this portion of scripture that is, is really, really powerful. It's found in, in the book of Acts chapter 27. And Paul is, is uh, literally, he's just, I, I can't give you the entire backstory because we don't have enough time for that, but he's on his way to Rome. And what we're going to see in this is what we face daily, monthly, yearly, multiple times throughout the course of our life. We're going to see, we're going to see how to live life 
and not only how to live life, but how to live life after things come against us. It's Acts chapter 27, verse 13. Again, Paul is on his way to Rome, and he's in his ship, everybody. He's sailing. He says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, and they were heading from where they are, they were heading towards Rome, which would have been towards the northwest, and so they needed that south wind to take them where they were trying to go. And all of a sudden, this very gentle south wind began to go, and what began to uh, blow. And what he's saying is, life is so good. Life is so wonderful. Oh, we caught the breeze that we need. We're, we're making headway. You know, we're going where we want to go. Life is so good. So they saw their opportunity, and they weighed anchor, and they sailed along the shore of Crete. Watch this, everybody. But before very long. You know, I've heard it said that you're either in a problem, you're coming out of a problem, or you're going into a problem. That's where, you, that's where you, like, your life is going to be It's going to have troubles in it, everybody. It's going to have some issues. He said, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Let's stop right there. So he starts this by saying, you know, life is good. We got the gentle south wind. We're headed to our destination. Everything looks hunky-dory, as we say in the south, all right? Everything looks hunky-dory. The skies are blue. And then out of nowhere comes trouble. And they're fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And you've been fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And all of a sudden what happens is, we just gave way to it. It's, it's where you throw up your hands in the air and just say, you know what? I'm exhausted. I am done. I'm done. I'm done with this kid. I'm done with my boss. I'm done with my family. I'm done with my marriage. I'm done. I am just done. I can't do it anymore. I give up. And Paul would say, if he were standing here today, he would say, I know exactly how you feel. Like, I get it. I understand. I've been there. I've been tired too. In fact, let's read on. Same chapter, verse now 18. He says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Let's stop right there. So what he's saying is we, we just gave up. We just gave up. And as, as the storm continued, we started throwing cargo and tackle overboard. What he's saying is we started throwing overboard everything that was valuable. Think about it. All their cargo was valuable. That's what they were hauling. All their tackle was valuable. And it just, it just ended up going overboard. And can I tell you, as, as you are... Facing troubles in this life, and it didn't, and, and a day becomes a week, and a week becomes a month, and you're just in the battle, and you're exhausted. All of a sudden, you'll start taking some very valuable things and throwing them overboard. For instance, you'll take your faith, you'll just throw it overboard. You'll take your worship, you'll throw it overboard. You'll take your devotional time, your time with God, it goes overboard. You, you'll take your hope. You'll take your service, your care for others. It'll throw, you'll throw it overboard. It'll take your heart, your heart of obedience to God. Your heart of, heart of obedience will just go overboard. Well, God, you're not making my life awesome. 
I guess I can just do what I want to do. And you take what's valuable and you just start throwing it out of your life. You no longer adhere to what you used to adhere to. You no longer embrace what you used to embrace. All of a sudden, those things that that were valuable in your life, they're not as valuable anymore. And you lose sight of them. Verse 20. And the storm continues. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally, we weren't just tired, but we gave up all hope of being saved. And notice what he, what he said. What, this, is, this is about Paul. We gave up all hope. Like Paul knew what it was like to have a bad day. He knew what it was like to face storms, not just for a moment, not just for an hour, not just for a week. I'm telling you, he knew what storms were all about. He knew what trouble was all about. And he knows how easy it is for us just to give up hope of, of this thing ever working out. You just... Let's give up all hope. And I'm, I'm going to teach you something about trouble this morning. Three things about trouble that I think you need to understand. First one is troubles are unavoidable. And that's not just true for you. It's true for, for me. It's true for the entire world. It's true for Christian. It's true for non-Christian. That troubles are just unavoidable. They're unavoidable. In fact, and sometimes people are surprised by this, but it was Jesus himself who said, hey, hey, listen, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. This is John, I think it's John 16, 33. He said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. But take heart. I've got the victory. But take heart. Take refuge in me because I'm going to show you my delivering power. I'm going to show you the miraculous. In this world, you will have trouble. It's unavoidable. Jesus himself is saying this. It's unavoidable. But when you face it, take heart. I'll be with you. I'm victorious. I'm going to help you. I'm going to deliver you. The second thing is, troubles are unpredictable. Unpredictable. They, it, just, it just comes out of nowhere, right? Like trouble just comes out of nowhere. Everything is fine, and then boom, something happens. Something takes place. You look at things, you look at situations, you look at people, and you're looking at them saying, where did that come from? Like, where did that come from? It's like, just recently we were, um, um, well, I, in fact, it was just me. I was just driving down a, a, a country road, as I often do, and is at night, and you've had this, if, if you live in Indiana, you've had this happen where all of a sudden you're just driving down the road, and a deer pops out in front of you, and you're saying, where did that come from? Yeah. Now, now uh, in times past, I've hit the deer. I didn't hit that one, but where did, where did that come from? Where did that come from? You know, and sometimes you're just driving down the road of life, and boom, something happens. I, I was driving, I, I never forget this, but a long time ago, I was, I, I, uh, this, is, this is back in the 90s. I had this little Pontiac Sunfire. Remember those? It was such a cool car back then, everybody. It was cool. And I drove a cool car. And I had this, yeah, it was actually. It was sad, really. It was really sad. Uh, 
And I'm driving down this road, and this deer doesn't come out in front of me. It actually rams the side of my car, like right into my door. Have you ever had that happen? Just drove itself right into my car. It did, uh, you know, several thousand dollars worth of damage. And I I had insurance, but still I had a thousand dollar deductible. And I was just this, you know, poor 20-something. I thought, how in the world am I going to pay for that? It just came out of nowhere. Trouble just comes out of nowhere. It's unpredictable. Everything will be fine. And boom. Out of nowhere, you're going to experience trouble, letter C. And you guys know that to be true. I won't focus on that anymore. Letter C, troubles are unbiased. Have you ever noticed this? Troubles are unbiased, meaning that trouble happens, well, trouble happens whether you're really close to Christ or whether you're not, whether you're wealthy or whether you're not. Whether you have a nice house or whether you don't, whether you have a nice car or whether you don't, troubles are unbiased, everybody. And if you say, well, my life, I have more troubles than everybody else. I don't know that to be true. Maybe you just complain about it more than everybody else. I can't believe I just said that out loud. I cannot believe I just said that out loud. But how many know some people like that? You know what I'm saying, right? Like, Like they love to focus on in fact, what I was talking about last week where somebody says, I want to have a pity party and everybody's invited to the grand ball. Like, like, I want everybody to know my story. Can I tell you, everybody has troubles. Troubles are unbiased, unbiased. And in fact, Matthew 5 says that the sun shines on both the good and the evil and the rain comes on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Like troubles, unbiased, unbiased. And so everybody deals with them and, and some would say, well, I just deal with them more than others. I, I don't know that to be true. I, I think a lot of people just have a higher level of faith that they don't focus on the troubles as much as they focus on the deliverer of the troubles. You see what I'm saying? So, so let, let, me, let me help you out here. How to handle trouble in your life. You need to know how to handle troubles in, in your life. I, I want to say this before I go any further. God just spoke this to my heart. Never let the external affect the internal. Never let the external, what's happening in your life, affect your faith, affect your belief in God, affect affect your walk with the Lord. Never let the external affect the internal. And I'm going to help you today learn how to handle troubles. And actually, we're going to deal with it at the end of the service. I'm going to teach you one of the the greatest methods I know of. And we're we're going to end it today by doing something special. Here here we go, how to handle trouble. Now, this is Paul again. He's writing to the church at Philippi, the Philippians. And you need to know a little bit of backstory about this, that Paul is actually, he's traveling at right before uh, this point in time, he's traveling to go preach what we would call a crusade. He's about to go preach the gospel of Christ to thousands of, of people, and he gets arrested, and he ends up in a Roman Jail, and it's not jail like you would you and I would think of today. It's actually a Roman dungeon, and he's not there for two days or two weeks or even two months. He's actually in this Roman dungeon for two years. And by the way, the plan is that he's going to be executed. And you know those Roman soldiers are coming up to him, and oh, you're alive today, but you might not be tomorrow. Oh, it's coming, Paul. It's coming. You're going to die. So he's not only in the worst place known to man at that time, but he's facing execution. 
And, and he had to be thinking, the devil had to plant this, mind, this, this idea in his mind at some point. Wow, look, Paul, you were going to go preach the gospel. You were going to go have this crusade. Where's your God now? Here you are in a dungeon. Here you are being threatened of execution. It hasn't been a couple of days. It hasn't been a couple of months. It's been a couple of years. Where is your God now? And Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes what we call the prison epistles. One of those is the book of Philippians. He's writing it from a Roman jail, from actually a Roman dungeon, where he is suffering significantly for the cause of Christ. And you know what the entire book of Philippians is all about? You guys aren't joyful enough. Oh, come on, guys, you need some joy in your life. And he's preaching the story, and he's, he's preaching the sermon about joy as he's sitting in rot and in filth with fear of being executed at any moment. He's facing the end of his life, and he looks at everybody else and says, you're not happy enough. You're not joyful enough. Boy, I got to talk to you about the joy of the Lord. Isn't that amazing, everybody? If you read the book of Philippians, it's all in there. We're going to look at uh, chapter 1, verse 12, uh, starting right there today. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, so he's talking to, to believers, that what has happened to me, like I could sit here and complain about it, but what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel in a way that I wasn't planning. But what actually happened? The gospel is being advanced. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And he's saying, what a great day. The things that I could have never planned, things that I could, I could have never set in motion, that God used my circumstance to set these things in motion, that all of a sudden believers are daring. They have this confidence in the faith. They're daring to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul, no doubt what he's thinking is, I'm just one man, but I will gladly suffer in this place in order for dozens upon dozens or hundreds upon hundreds to go out and preach the good news of Jesus. How much more effective would that be if there are dozens or hundreds of people of, uh, preaching the good news of Jesus? How much more effective than just one? He's like, so actually, I thought this was a bad thing, but it turned out it's a beautiful thing. It's a glorious thing. And I, I want to teach you some, some things about this. The first one is, if you're in trouble, or if you're coming out of trouble, or if you're getting ready to go in trouble, stop focusing on the past. Write that down. Stop focusing on the past. After all, everybody, it's over anyway. It's done there's nothing you can do about it. So don't focus on the past. In fact, as I was praying for you this morning, I really just felt the Lord just stick this word inside of me. 
And how, so I'm going to tell you this, that focusing on your hurt will never bring healing. And some of you have just been focusing on your hurt. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know. Well, can I tell you something about me? You don't know. You don't know the, the hurt I've had. I've just learned something. Focusing on my hurt has never brought healing to my life. In fact, you know this to be true, that it only makes things worse. But why do we do it? Can I tell you, it's, it's the devil's ploy in your life. He loves it when you focus on your past. Why? Because it'll keep you from your future. It'll keep you from what God has for you. So stop focusing on your past. In fact, number two, focus on what God is doing now. And that's what Paul is doing here on, in this portion of scripture. He's saying, hey, listen, the past was, I was on my way to go preach a crusade. And here I am in a Roman dungeon about to be executed. He says, but actually, whoa, you ought to see what's happening now. You ought to see what's occurring now. The gospel is, is going out like never before. And Christians are now bold in their faith because of what I'm going through, because of the chains that I'm in. And he's meaning that literally. So, new song, stop focusing on your past and focus on what God is doing now. Okay, so let, let me give you an example of that. It, it could be in form of a prayer. Father, you know about my past, but I thank you that you're delivering me today. You're going to deliver me tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, for the rest of my life. You're my deliverer. And I thank you, Lord, that you're answering this. I thank you, Father, that deliverance is on the way, the miracle's on the way. You don't have to focus on your, your past, everybody. You don't have to focus on your past. It doesn't bring healing. But look at what God is doing now. Look at what God is doing now, I'm going to show you Philippians chapter 2 now. Again, he's still in that Roman dungeon, that prison. And he says this in verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And he, of all people, has the right to grumble, doesn't he? He has the right. We would look at him and say, wow, yeah, you've had it bad. You're, you're in prison for doing nothing except being a good Christian. And if anybody deserved to complain and grumble, it would be Paul. And yet he's looking at everybody else and saying, why are you guys grumbling? Why are you arguing? That makes no sense to me, he would say. He said, don't, don't do that. So, in fact, he says, so that you may become blameless and pure. Watch this, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then... You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Let's, let's focus on that verse right there. What he's saying is in this, in this world, it's not filled with light. It's actually filled with darkness. That people are not walking uprightly. He said, actually, this is a very warped and crooked generation. How many can see that today in our world? a warped and crooked generation. If we were to ask, you, you know, how many people do you know com compared to all of the people in the nation, how many of us are just walking uprightly? 
Let me ask you a different question. How many people in Washington, D.C. are walking uprightly? Conservatives, liberals, I don't care. How many of them are walking uprightly? No, this is a very warped and crooked generation. How many know that to be true? Now, thankfully, there are some strong believers in Washington, D.C. Praise God for that. But I guarantee you, what we're seeing most of the time isn't uprightness. It's warped. It's crooked. Both liberals, conservatives, lying. I could go on and on. That's just one example. And we see that we see that locally, we see that statewide, we see that nationally, we see that around the world. And God is just going to say, God is just saying, no, no, who's going to stand straight up in a very wicked, warped generation? Who's going to walk uprightly? In fact, I want to share this with you. Don't act like everyone else. Write that down. Don't act like everyone else. Don't act like everyone else. In fact, he says, listen, don't do that. Be, be upright. Don't, don't look like the rest of the world. He says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So don't act like everyone else. In fact, when you refuse to act like everyone else, you're going to shine really brightly in this world. Like people are going to notice you. Why? Because you don't look like everybody else. You don't act like everybody else. You don't talk like everybody else. You're going to stand out in in the crowd. As you shine the light of the good news of Jesus to all who are lost, don't act like everybody else. In fact, I'm going to show you some some great promises in the Bible. This is Psalm 7 verse 10 says, says this, that my shield is God most high who saves the upright in heart who saves the one who doesn't look like everybody else in the world, who's not warped, who's not crooked, that God saves the upright in heart. That's a promise for you, everybody. Psalm 112 verse 4 is very similar to this. I love this. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous, that light dawns for the upright. That at some point, God's going to show up. And your light will be even brighter in this very, very dark world. Everybody, if you're handling problems like everybody else you work with that don't know Jesus, something is wrong. You're not meant to look like everybody else. You're not meant to respond like everybody else. No, we are followers of God. We are men and women of faith. Men and women who hold to the word of God and the promises of God. We don't look like everybody else. I'm going to show you something else in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 17 says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, all on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. What he's saying is, even if I have to die where I am, My heart is filled with joy because of you, because of your faith, because of the way that you're living out your faith in Christ Jesus. He says, I truly am rejoicing. And he calls them. He says, so you too should be glad 
and rejoice with me. Now, now I, want, I want you to ask yourself a question. What if, what if your best friend, who was an absolute follower of Jesus, was falsely accused and on death row and could be executed at any moment and they wrote you a letter and said, hey, by the way, keep the faith. And you should be glad and rejoice, just like I'm glad and rejoicing. Tears would fill your eyes, and you would say, how can they do that? How can they, how can they be that filled with joy? How much joy they must have to have that attitude facing what they're facing. And there would be something inside of us that would say, I want to know Jesus like that. I, I want to have that level of relationship with the Lord. I want to know God the way that Paul knows God. That in the worst of circumstances, I can have this incredible joy, so much so that I could look out at other people in the worst circumstance possible. I could look at other people and say, hey, why don't you rejoice and be glad with me? <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. If anybody had reason to grumble, it was Paul. But he would say, actually, if anybody has reason to rejoice, it would be me. That's what he's saying. If anybody has a reason to be joy-filled, it's me. As God chose me, God loves me. Can I tell you something? Number four, no matter the trouble, never stop praising God. Never stop praising God. In the middle of your trouble, never stop praising God. When you come out of trouble, never stop praising God. If you're going into trouble, never stop praising God. God, never stop praising God. Why? Because God has a rescue plan. God has a rescue plan. Let, let, me, let me say this, everybody. That faith grows through praise. Faith grows through praise. Praise purifies your heart. Did you know that? It purifies your heart because it gets, it gets your eyes off of your troubles and it gets your eyes off of you and sets your eyes on the deliverer and it purifies your heart and it causes you to grow. And here Paul is facing execution Barely getting enough to survive, to eat, to drink. Filthy, filthy dungeon. Roman guards, no doubt, treating him like a criminal. And the worst kind of criminal. And he looks at everybody else and he says, I don't understand. How come you're not happy? How come you're not filled with joy? Do you not know who God is? Do you not know who your Savior is? And in the middle of all this, he says, you don't know, put your eyes on Jesus. If you read the book of Philippians, 
Like, get your eyes off your circumstances and experience the joy that the Lord has for you. And I would say to all of you today, rejoice. And again, I'll say it, rejoice, right? That's what the Bible says. Never stop praising the Lord as praise allows you to grow and praise purifies your life. It sets the focus right on our Savior. I don't think it's a coincidence that the term used in the Bible to describe Jesus and his Messiahship is the word Savior because he knew that we would need saving. Would you stand up with me this morning? If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do that in just a moment. I think there's some people in this room, in fact, many people in this room, that if you're looking at what you're going through right now, you're saying, you know what? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Maybe you've been throwing the cargo, the valuable things, your faith, your worship, your hope. Maybe you've been throwing that overboard. Maybe you've gotten to the point where you've just given up hope. And I'm going to tell you, you have reason to rejoice today because we serve a mighty deliverer. We serve a God who knows how to set us free, to deliver us, to heal us, to save us, to provide for us, to comfort us, to give us joy. That The Bible says so much joy, it is glorious and inexpressible. Joy that is full, it's full of glory, another translation says. He knows how to do that. And if you're depending on a lack of storm in order for you to be joyful, you need to grow in the faith. Because our joy is not found in circumstances. Our joy is found in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him, the salvation that we have in him, through him. He is so strong. He's so mighty. The Bible says as long as you stay upright in a very warped and crooked generation, the Bible promises, he says, I'll save you. I'll save you. So don't act like everybody else if you're in trouble. No, no, we stay upright. We follow hard after God and we never stop praising him. It's a good word for us today. And I'm going to pray in just a moment that as we praise the Lord, we're just going to take a few moments here and we're going to praise the Lord just for a moment. And we're going to praise him for the deliverance that we have not seen as of yet in our lives. We're going to praise him for victory that is ahead. We just haven't experienced it yet. But it's there. We used to sing that song, Victory in Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Like, come on, everybody. We, we can praise God for that which we have not seen because we live by faith. We walk by faith. We trust our Heavenly Father to save those who are in trouble. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run to it, they're safe. They make it. 
New song, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. I'm going to do two things. First of all, just bow your heads with me. If you've not given Jesus total, total control of your life and you're ready to surrender to him today, to say, you know what? I am a sinner in need of a savior. And today I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus with nobody looking around. I just, and I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. Nobody will know. It's just between you and God. It's baptism. That's when you go public. But today's a day that you can just raise your hand and say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to surrender. If that's you, raise your hand really high. Let me see who you are. Is there anybody in the room? There could be somebody watching online. We have lots of people watch us online. And I'm going to pray concerning that. If anybody's at home, it's a prayer that goes like this. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I confess my sins. And not only that, I repent of my sins. And Jesus, I ask you today to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. And I'm asking you to help me be who you've called me to be. And I thank you for calling me out of darkness into your glorious light. And today I, I confess, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And if you prayed that prayer, that's just, that's just that simple. Contact us. Message us. We'll give some information to you and how to build a right, right relationship with Christ, how to grow in your relationship with Christ. For everybody else in, in this room and watching online who you find yourself in trouble, you're going through some difficulties, and today you're ready to see a breakthrough in your life. You're ready to trust God for the miraculous. Again, with nobody looking around, would you just hold up your hand really high? Let me see who you are. I have multiple hands. You can put your hands down. And we're just going to praise the Lord just for a moment. We're going to pray. I'm going to teach you how to live this out. And we're going to do it together. Remember, praise causes us to grow. And it purifies our heart. So it goes something like this. Heavenly Father, we, here, here we are in this room. And now acknowledging the fact that there's some issues that we don't know how they're going to be solved. We don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to happen. We don't know the future. But today, Father, we give you praise. I give you praise because I know you hold my future. I know that you are deliverer, that you rescue those who call upon you. I thank you, Father, that you never fail, that you are victorious, that you show salvation, you show mercy, you show grace, you show compassion to those who call upon you. You said in your word that as I cry out to you, you answer. You hear from heaven and you answer my cry. And Lord, I praise you today. I praise you today because the answer is coming. I praise you today that, that victory belongs to me in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are mighty deliverer, that you are strong to save. You are mighty to save. I give you praise, Lord, for the answer that I haven't seen as of yet, but I know it's coming. I give you praise, Lord, for the provision that's going to be given. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's coming, Lord, because your word says that you supply all of my needs. Lord, I give you praise for the healing that I'm in need of. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's coming because you are my healer. 
You are Jehovah Rapha. You heal me. <laughs> Lord, heal your church today, I pray. Heal your children, I pray today, Lord. If you're in need of a healing, would you raise your hands? Just hold them high. Lord, I speak healing and life in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ today. Let your healing virtue flow, not just through this room, but through every single life, through every single person who's asking for it today. Lord, you said in your word that we have not because we ask not. So we ask today for healing, and we take it by faith in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ. We receive it now, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you deal with discouragement, if you deal with depression, would you raise your hand? Lord, I speak joy into every person who is discouraged, depressed. They feel like they are being smothered, living in darkness, no hope. Lord, I speak joy in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I declare joy. Lord, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. So we give you praise for the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. We give you praise for the joy that is coming inside of us and have come inside of us right now, even at this very moment. As we praise you, we thank you for joy. That's ours in Christ. I thank you for it, Lord. And I worship you. I worship you, Lord. Now, could we all just lift up our hands to the Lord and just declare his goodness and his grace? We praise you, Father, with all of our hearts. We praise you, Father. I would challenge you to do a song. Open up your mouth. It could just be a whisper. It doesn't have to be loud, but just praise the Lord for a moment. Father, I praise you. I worship you. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are a deliverer. You're a healer. You are good in all of your ways. Your compassion, it never ends. It never fails. Your mercies are new every single day. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for guarding my life. I thank you for your blessings. I worship you. You are high and lifted up, exalted over all of the earth, and you alone are worthy of praise and glory and honor and strength and power. It all belongs to you, Father, because you're so good. So we lift up the name of Jesus, our Savior. We lift high the name of Jesus the name that is above every other name. And we give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you our worship. We give you our praise. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now with no moving around, everybody just stay right where you are. I want to encourage you today. I asked my wife yesterday, we were together headed somewhere in the car and, and I, I I spoke with my wife I said I said you know what I, I just decided we were talking about our Sunday morning our, our, our weekly prayer time um, that we just spend with the Lord every morning and I said you know I've been praying differently than I've ever prayed before I've been I've been much more aggressive in my worship and in my praise I've been much more aggressive in my in my faith 
and, and just, just declaring things and believing for things. And, and I said, you know what? I just decided. And, and it's, it's amazing how you just grow in the faith and grow. And God is so patient with us, isn't he? He's so patient. Just grow in the faith. And I said, you know what? I'm praying at a level now that I've always dreamed about praying in. I'm praying the way that, that I always, boy, I, I want to be that type of man of prayer. I want to be that type of praiser and worshiper to God. And I just decided months ago now, I don't care who's looking. I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to do it anyway. I don't care who's looking. So I just, I just want to know the Lord, truly know the Lord. A new song, I hope, I hope that's you too. So I'm telling you, his, his goodness, his faithfulness is absolutely amazing. Open your hands toward heaven. New song, I bless you today. Oh, that, oh, that the Lord would bless you indeed. That he would enlarge our territory. That his hand would be upon us. His presence would be with us and that he would keep us from all harm. New song, I speak that over you today. The prayer of Jabez in the name and by the power of Jesus Christ. If you receive it, say amen. Amen. Remember, one invitation can change a life. Have a great day, new song. I love you so very, very much. God bless you guys.